2: the world, especially the United States
0: Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men.
2: I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info, where you can find our full show archive, our montages, our top news stories, and more, including my books, all at www.thesecretteachings.info. I spent the whole weekend, a lot of my free time, first time I had free time in a while, I spent most of the weekend editing and re-editing the archive on the website through Captivate. So if you go into the Montage Archive, if you're a subscriber, you'll have a very clean and very simple platform to scroll through all of our montages, I think there are 73 of them. We try to make a montage uh, once a week or once every two weeks. Sometimes I'll do two or three a week. It just sort of depends. It takes a lot of time and effort to do a montage. And I don't always have time to do that. But we do have the montages up on the website. The archive for the show is on the website. So I've redone that through Captivate. So when you click on the member archive, you'll get a list of all of our shows since we've been on the Fringe FM so a little over a year and a half, well, maybe even two years since we've been on the Fringe FM, a little over two years. So you'll find all those shows, and then all the old shows will still be, the, the original links will work. If you go and you click on the section of the show archive for 2018, 17, 16, 15, and so on, those links are still active. Only half of the 2018 archive is there, the other half, because we started on the Fringe, is in the main archive now. And you'll see just an easy drop-down menu on the website with all the shows. Now, if you're not a subscriber, if you're new to the show, and you want to check out some of our other shows, we do have uh, the sample show archive, which is free. If You just click on that. And there will also be a very clean and very simple-to-use podcast player. And you can scroll through. I think I put 20 shows in there. Some of them have guests. Some of them don't. And uh, For those of you who are interested in our series called Cosmic Scams, you can also find the Cosmic Scam section of the website. All of the shows that we do with Stephen Cambion or Joe from the Carolinas or Kev Baker, anything where we're talking about the, the cult of ufology, David Wilcock and people like that, there's a free page there. You can listen to all those shows as well. And uh, that is basically the the revamped website. I also have all the new books, the new editions of all the books, mainly just the technological elixir. That's there on the website. So it's all there, www.thesecretteachings.info. And when you subscribe, you get access to all of that, plus the digital books that you can download and read on the website or download them from the website, take them with you on your tablet or I assume most e-readers can do PDF and if you have any questions about any of that or anything else you want to share something with us rdgable at yahoo.com I had a really great weekend I got all that done I went through and uh, I ordered some new copies of the books uh, played around with the archive got a chance to watch some some I watched some movies finally I haven't had a chance to watch movies for a while and uh, I just I was able to relax so it was a really good weekend for me, and I uh, woke up this morning. I stayed up late last night. I woke up this morning a little bit later. It's kind of sat down at the computer. I kind of played around with the introduction to the show, so you might you might have noticed that there's a different um, a different song that cuts through the introduction. Uh, a lot of that music is from Secession Studios or mostly from White Bat Audio. You can find both of them on YouTube. And I added a, a clip from a movie called Io. And I don't know if you guys have seen this movie called Io. It's on I think it's on Netflix and I think um, I think that's the only platform that it's on. But it's like a post apocalyptic uh, period of, of, of like a future Earth where the whole planet's become toxic and most of the human race left the planet on these ships. I think like a hundred ships initially and they went to one of Jupiter's moons, Io. And uh, the, sto- the story is basically this, uh, this scientist who stays on Earth. And she follows in the footsteps of her father trying to find a way to bring human beings back to life on planet Earth. Try to bring the planet back to Earth. And I guess in the movie, like her dad had theorized that the planet wasn't destroyed the planet was just adapting to a new form of environment, so there was—I mean—there were toxic conditions to humans, but other forms of life thrived. And it starts off with uh, the girl going through a um, kind of like a, a, a greenish puddle of what looked like algae or bacterium or something like that, and she's she's taking samples, and you know n- nobody believes that anything can survive on the planet. And they they try to get to this uh, this Earth shuttle. It's the last one, I guess, that's leaving the planet. And if they don't get on it, they're gonna. This girl's gonna be left behind with one of her friends there. So that's kind of the movie. It's an it was an interesting movie I watched, but it made me think about. And I know it had a you know an environmental message and a probably a very very strong political message. I I kind of tune tune that out. And I was thinking about. Uh, some, some very bizarre story I read that I wanted to share with you. And it's interesting that if you pay attention to this show, you'll notice that we kind of weave other shows together. So every week is like a tapestry, and every month is a, is a larger tapestry, and so on and so forth. We, we can weave subjects together in and out and in and, and out. So I was reading this article about And this is not a COVID-19 show, but I was reading this article about COVID-19. And one of the ways to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, most of you know my views on this. They're all based on the scientific literature. And they're based on definitive answers so much as can be derived from scientific analysis and the application of the scientific method. As opposed to the implicating and the leading so-called science that we have today where everything is based on study suggests, researchers suggest, XYZ might, possibly, this may do this. That's not definitive. That's still theoretical, and it's yet to be proven or documented, or it's yet to be solidified. So I'm reading this article, and it's about how carbon dioxide monitors could be used to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, this is a fascinating story, a very fascinating story, for, for a couple of reasons. One, it quotes somebody named Alex Huffman, an associate professor of chemistry and biochemistry at the University of Denver. And it says that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has warned that COVID-19 is spread via respiratory droplets, such as when a person coughs, sneezes, or even simply breathes. Now, we looked at this on a number of previous shows, and I've, ha- I've added a section to my book, The Technological Elixir, about how the Centers for Disease Control, if you look up the Washington Post article, has retracted their statement that COVID-19 spreads through the air. They said that this information on their website was an error. That's a quote, error. Type in Washington Post, COVID-19, CDC, website error, airborne transmission. Something to that effect, you'll find the article. Now, we also know the FDA says that the food that we eat is not contaminated with COVID-19 and that COVID-19 does not spread on surfaces. That's literally what the FDA says. That's literally what the CDC says. So a rational thinker would ask the question, if it doesn't spread on surfaces and it doesn't spread in the air, how does it spread? Well, this article is a really great example of how science is not only not conclusive and definitive when used for not only political reasons, but other reasons as well, as a, as a tactic of fear or a tactic of authority. But the CDC says this. It says, quote, these viruses may be able to infect people who are further than six feet away from the person who is infected or after that person has left the space. It talks about the professor from the University of Denver, Alex Huffman, and how Huffman is among a group of experts currently studying how the CO2 we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much potentially infectious aerosol is in the room. And the way that they want to gauge this is by using what they call a CO2 monitor, which they say can be utilized to assess the risk of transmission in a given environment. Now, there are three words here. From the CDC website, these viruses may, may, that's not definitive science, that's an assumption, may be able to infect people who are further than six feet away. And Huffman from the University of Denver and other experts that are studying how CO2 we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much potentially infectious aerosol. It's potentially infectious. They cannot, or have not at least, proved this yet. And it says CO2 monitors can be utilized to assess the risk of transmission. So it's the risk of transmission, but it's not to prevent the transmission, to assess the transmission, because they can't definitively tell you If there is transmission through the air and if aerosols are indeed infectious or if viruses can infect people who are further than six feet away. now I know for a lot of people, it's really hard to stand in between believing what authority says and believing what any antithesis of authority says. It's easy to just say, well, I don't believe any of it. It's all a big hoax. And it's easy to just say, put your mask on. There are people dying. It's more difficult for some to say, wait a minute. The CDC is acknowledging that they don't have any evidence that people who stand six feet apart, or whether they're further than six feet or closer than six feet, If they can be infected or not, there's no proof of that. There's no evidence of that at all. The only evidence they have is when you sneeze, when you cough, when you breathe, as this article says, respiratory droplets can come out. One of the big studies conducted on this was published and uh, distributed by the USA Today, said that the researchers did not isolate COVID-19 in the droplets that were used in the study. And in other cases where they did isolate droplets, they said it was too artificial of an environment to conclude that this could be the case in the natural environment that we exist and experience every day. So I've added all that to my book, The Technological Elixir. If you're interested, I have a new chapter on this. But this is the information here that we're being told in order to justify what they call a CO2 monitor to detect the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. In other words, what they're saying is, although they acknowledge through less than sincere and honest terminology, that they do not know and cannot prove that this so-called virus spreads through the air or on surfaces for that matter, and it only may be able to do things, and it may only potentially be infectious, and there only, there only can be risks I mean, there are risks of anything, right? Anything can potentially be dangerous. Anything may be able to harm you. But they want to isolate carbon dioxide as the source of the transmission to further demonize carbon dioxide as not only being the responsible gas for destroying the planet, but for also making you sick. And this is what's very sick about it. Carbon dioxide is what I call the oxygen of plants. This is what plants utilize to survive. And then they exchange gases in the, in the environment. We give them oxygen, or they give us oxygen, rather. We give them carbon dioxide. So this is a necessary cycle and a necessary symbiotic relationship without carbon dioxide, without oxygen, Without the the, the components that comprise our our environment and our atmosphere, we suffocate. Life doesn't exist as we know it. Alex Huffman from the University of Denver says, when you breathe out, you breathe CO2 out as well as aerosols that come out of your mouth. We can't measure the respiratory infectious aerosols in the room very easily. You can't measure them at all. We can measure CO2 really easily and relatively cheaply, so we use this as a proxy. If CO2 is building up, infectious aerosol risk is also building up, end quote. So in essence, Alex Huffman and others are saying that they can't find aerosols that contain COVID-19. There's only a risk of infection. It's only potentially infectious, and viruses only may be able to be transmitted this way. In the laboratory studies... An uh, an aerosol containing COVID-19 was found only when they created an artificial environment of it based on their theory, but when they utilized their theory for a legitimate real-world open-like world experiment, they found that there was no evidence that they could determine whether or not anything was transmitted through those droplets. But they can detect carbon dioxide, and they say they want carbon dioxide to be the very thing that will determine whether or not you are sick so you should stay or you could get sick you should stay away from carbon dioxide and it reminds me of that movie I watched over the weekend IO where the 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 girl is she's going out into these toxic zones on earth where the the environment is totally destroyed and she's finding these new forms of life showing that one life thrives under any condition it doesn't just grow it it, it thrives it finds a way to grow and thrive and just survive. And as she's coming back from these contaminated zones, there's, there are areas on the planet where there are still pockets of, of oxygen and, and, and a cleaner environment where humans can still survive. And as she's, you know, she has a little four wheeler that she uses and she's driving back into these zones where she has like a little home set up and uh, she has the, the area marked that it's like, it's a, it's, it's an oxygen rich area. It's like a clean zone where there's oxygen. So in that movie, she's trying and other humans are trying to find an environment that's, that's acceptable to human life so that we can breathe. In our scenario today, scientists, researchers, eugenicists, and others are suggesting that we should stay away from carbon dioxide. Now, this might seem either totally ridiculous, or it might seem, well, maybe it's scientifically sound. But for those of you who are able to Utilize either your memory or your research skills, or you just listen to shows like this to to learn something new and you don't want to research for yourself. You'll remember perhaps that over the years we've heard from the EPA to people like Bill Gates that carbon dioxide is dangerous to the environment. That carbon dioxide is driving what we call climate change, or what people used to call global warming, or what in the 70s they called global cooling. And when the planet started heating and not cooling, at least perceptually, they called it global warming. When they couldn't find evidence of that, they called it climate change. It's all been political from the beginning. You can look up Time magazine in the 70s. It'll say the big freeze. There was an ice age coming, which might have been more accurate than global warming. And now climate change, which you can't dispute because the climate always changes. But carbon dioxide has always been at the center of attention that we need to tax carbon, we need to eliminate carbon. And there are very simple ways that if you wanted to eliminate carbon and you wanted to purify the environment, you would have trees. You'd have a lot more trees. You'd maybe plant more trees. Trees, as how much we've estimated, how many trees are on this planet, just a couple of years ago scientists found that there were trillions more trees based on their estimates than they originally thought meaning that the the carbon dioxide we exhale would be absorbed by these trees and therefore it should alter the climate models that suggest that there's x amount of carbon dioxide parts per million in the atmosphere a lot of that would be absorbed but since they created these computer model models that suggested well this is the future if we don't curtail our carbon dioxide emissions Yet they didn't plug into those simulations that there are way more trees on the planet than they thought, which would absorb more carbon dioxide. I think I did the math one time and I did it. It's in my book, The Technological Elixir. Um, I think it's at the end of my book, The Food Philosophy, as well, where you, you just do a little bit of simple math about how much carbon dioxide a tree absorbs and how many additional trees have been discovered. And you end up with like half of the carbon dioxide emissions on average around the globe. Being consumed by these new trees that were estimated to to exist, and the number of let's say, like four plus trillion, and, and like every human has four hundred and twenty two trees to themselves, and if you uh, utilize how much carbon dioxide a single tree absorbs because it's their oxygen, uh, it cuts like your carbon footprint in half. So just basic science and math will show you. Just a basic thirty year old guy like me, I just turned thirty. A thirty year old guy like me can figure this out. It's less obvious to the average person. I understand that because we don't think that authorities could be wrong. But when we ask a couple of questions, this whole thing falls apart. And so if we have this idea that carbon dioxide is bad, carbon dioxide is dangerous, carbon dioxide should be taxed, carbon dioxide should be monitored for COVID-19, it could spread disease. I mean, this sounds very, very alien to me. It, it seems very much like the, 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 the anti-Christ of life. It represents everything that, that life is not. It, it, it's evil, E-V-I-L. It's the reverse of live. And for pronunciation's sake, it's also the reverse of love, E-V-O-L, evil. Love and life. And, and when you destroy love or destroy life, this these are evil acts. So the notion that carbon dioxide can be used to determine where we're going to be infected suggests that we should stay away from carbon dioxide, and we should further isolate ourselves, and we should further become less human, more disconnected from the natural environment, and more connected to this synthetic hive environment, this digital sub-reality. Again, all of this I talk about in my book, The Technological Elixir. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And, and I imagine that some of you have heard this, uh, but what we discussed about Texas on Friday last week, the Red Star State was the name of the show, Solar Winds Red Star State. It's in the archive on the website. There is a Department of Energy order, number 202 21 1, that's been circulating. It's officially from the Department of Energy. I pulled the article, and it talks about the energy usage in Texas and how. In Texas, they were given you know, uh, a, a certain amount of power that they can use based on federal guidelines, knowing that the power grid was unstable, knowing that the power grid could potentially fail, and the Texas government wanted to amplify the output of their power plants, and the Department of Energy, among other things, said that, that ERCOT, which is the Electric Reli- Reliability Council of Texas, that ERCOT has been alerted, this is the Department of Energy saying this, that numerous generation units, if they activate and they amplify their power output, will be unable to operate at full capacity without violating federal air quality or other permit limitations. So even in an emergency, you cannot turn up the power because that will harm the environment. Despite the fact that a lot of these power plants are clean burning like clean burning coal and despite the fact that a lot of windmills were frozen and my friend just sent me an article my friend Joey from high school sent me an article last night about how Texas is they're going to get into more solar power great you could store a lot of energy through that but solar power didn't save anybody in Texas either wind didn't save anybody in Texas And the federal government said you can't activate those plants, the Department of Energy, because that's a violation of federal air quality guidelines. Oh, and by the way, carbon dioxide is spreading COVID-19, so we have to get rid of carbon dioxide. It's very spooky. There's something wrong here. We're going to figure it out when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
2: Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing, The Secret Teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. With a one-year subscription to the show, access to all of the montages, all of my digital books and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the United States and autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support the Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com.
1: Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality, of your reality, of your reality?
0: Do you question the nature of your reality? Join me, host Jess Rogie of The Rogie Report, as we find out more about the strange reality we live in. Here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
1: The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
0: Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to... The Secret
2: Teachings,
0: excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan
1: Gable.
2: You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the Wheel of the Year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
0: This is David Ike, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth.
1: This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny. We are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM.
2: Hi there, I'm Ryan Gable, host of the Secret Teachings Radio Show right here on The Fringe FM. On The Secret Teachings, we cover parapsychology, pop conspiracy, magic myth, health, and more. You can catch The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday after Joe Roop and Lighting the Void right here on The Fringe FM. For more information, you can visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Ryan Gable and you're listening to the secret teachings on the fringe FM. I was reading the Department of Energy order number 202-21-1 it was published over the weekend by a number of news sites pertaining to what happened in Texas last week and how ERCOT the Electric Reli- Reliability Council of Texas was alerted that According to the Department of Energy, numerous generation units will be unable to operate at full capacity without violating federal air quality or other permit limitations. And the order from the Department of Energy talks about how Texas would have to buy power and they couldn't actually produce more of their own power, even though they've been one of the biggest, if not the biggest, exporters of power in the United States for a very long time. And they were told, you can't, exp- you, know, you can't have this power. You need to import power. You can't use your power generators because it's going to pollute the environment. That's the federal government stepping in and telling Texas what they can or can't do with their own infrastructure, with their own power plants, with their own sustainable systems. Now, that was in the back of my mind. And that's part of the thread that ties together Thursday and Friday's show last week with tonight's show here Monday, the 22nd of February, 2021, where we can recall that a month ago, when President Biden was inaugurated in that Hunger Games-style capital checkmate ritual, he goes to the White House over the next couple of days and signs a number of executive orders, one of which suspended an executive order from the previous administration that prevented foreign countries, especially those that maintained a threat to national security, from interfering in our critical infrastructure like power, like the power grid, and an additional prohibition order issued by the Secretary of Energy that would prevent China in particular from interfering in our bulk power systems and our power grid. We looked at all of this on Friday's show called Winds Red Star State, about how the SolarWinds cyber attack that leaked all this information from the federal government and these corporations. Also, that company is located in Texas. And we know that through cloud seeding, artificial precipitation can be created, silver iodide can be used, put into the atmosphere, and this can cause rainfall and snowfall under the right atmospheric conditions. Now, these can be conditions created artificially or natural conditions that can be amplified to turn something on, off, or to move something somewhere else. And the Chinese government announced that they've expanded their weather control operations to an area one and a half times the size of India. Previous, it had been about the size of Alaska. Now, one and a half times the size of India. And they announced that in December of last year, just a few weeks ago, really, relatively speaking. And then this month we hear that the department of energy told texas no you can't use your infrastructure you can't generate more power you got to buy that from somewhere else because generating more power will damage the environment so this is the this is that environmental cult but don't mistake my disgust for the cult of environmentalism to mean that i'm some right-wing conservative because i'm i'm definitely not But I do have some questions to propose to you in relationship to what constitutes a clean environment and what represents a clean environment. Some people, at least in media, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that lean on one side of the political spectrum, that are very happy that President Biden has now reintroduced the United States into the Paris Climate Agreement and that they're now talking more about net zero emissions and uh, limiting carbon dioxide, you know, across the board. From your home to your car to what companies can do and what states can do, as in the case of Texas, the Department of Energy just outright told Texas if you you can't use your power because it, you know, if you can't you generate more power, that's going to harm the environment, you can't do that. Well, clearly what that is is the green new deal. Clearly what that is is foreign, international, UN, Great Reset interference? Okay, that's that's Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and the Green Deal and Bernie Sanders and the environmental cult that is founded uh, in the Earth Summit uh, with the Rockefellers and Marie Strong in Rio de Janeiro in well, it was in 1992 in Brazil. And uh, they wrote in 1990, 1992, around that time, the Club of Rome wrote, which was set up by you know, the Rothschild Money and Cecil Rhodes and the Roundtables, the RIIA, uh, the the Council on Foreign Relations Trilateral Commission, all these groups that are connected together, uh, the, the big think tanks, that environmental threats would be the weapon of choice to restructure the... Population of the whole planet to justify getting rid of human life, to justify the prevention of human birth, all to save the environment, all to clean the environment. Well, despite the fact that we have a perception that big oil and these big lumbering power companies hate the environment and they want to pollute and they would never want regulations, they would never want restrictions, they would never want to go into something like the Paris Climate Agreement and limit carbon dioxide. They would never want to do this because this would restrict their ability to make profit. Well, here's the thing that is a positive component of what we call capitalism, although capitalism has turned into predatory capitalism, um, as we talked about with John Perkins when he was on the show. But If people don't demand it and people don't use it, then capitalists are going to go somewhere else. They're going to find something that people will use because they want to make money. They want to profit. When you have like a corporate fascist state, they will demand that you will do this. You will buy this. You will not be able to have a choice whether or not you use that power, you buy that product. You will do exactly what we say when we do it. Or when we say it, you will do it. So, capitalistically speaking, if you will, Big oil companies were not opposed to the climate deal. Big oil companies are on the side of Joe Biden. I hope that you realize that, and I can prove it to you, because back in April of 2017, even CNN published a story that said why big oil wants Donald Trump to stay in the Paris climate deal. Now, why would these companies, Chevron, ExxonMobil, Royal Dutch Shell, and BP, why would they want the United States in the Paris COP21 pact, which is really just, you know, it's a deal with the devil? Well, the article says, these traditional energy companies have a vested financial interest in the Paris deal. How is that possible if our perception is that this Paris deal will limit the use of fossil fuels and this will affect these big companies, It will eliminate the traditional forms of of energy that we use. It will eliminate what we basically call legacy systems. Well, the article says that's because COP21's crackdown on carbon emissions favors natural gas, which emits much less pollution than coal. Contrary to popular belief, a lot of these oil companies are invested heavily in natural gas. So, although big oil, as we perceive it, would be affected. Natural gas, big natural gas would not be affected. They would They would want to be in the COP21 Paris Pact. You see what I'm saying? In other words, when the governor of Texas said the windmills froze and the backup alternative forms of energy were not sufficient to keep the lights on in Texas, and China mocked Texas and said we very glad that uh, we on the right path here in China, and uh, you stupid Texans who ride horses to work, uh, you stupid. We good people in China. We have hive mind. You know, like that's what the Foreign Ministry of China said. They laughed at Texas, and then they they said we're on the right path. Good to know we're on the right path. They said, good to know what we're doing is working. I, I kind of thought, well, maybe that's what they're referring to. They're referring to their ability to control the weather. It's working, but then you had Bill Gates. This is what. I think is the most key point here. Bill Gates said, no, Governor Abbott, you're wrong. And I thought, where did Bill Gates come from? He's not in politics. He's not an elected representative. He's not a political commentator. He's not a medical doctor. He has no license. Why is he telling me to get a vaccine? Why is he telling a governor of, of a state what he can and can't do? Who are you, Bill Gates? So Bill Gates tells Governor Abbott, no, you're wrong. It's not because of those windmills. It's not because of the alternative energy. It's because your legacy systems of oil and natural gas failed. Now you see that Texas is big in a lot of ways, and it's big on infrastructure, it's big on power. And so Texas obviously would be the country state, I mean they basically are their own country, they're the country state to assault if you're trying to eliminate energy independence on the microcosm and then do it on the macrocosm of the whole country and then the whole planet. Because not only did Joe Biden insert the U.S. back into the climate deal, which benefited the oil companies. A lot of people thought, oh no, oh no!" he, he, he got rid of the, the, the pipeline, the, the XL pipeline. It's, it's going to save all the, the animals. What they don't realize is that the pipeline was already built. The pipeline was far more sustainable and far more environmentally friendly than trucking which I was told emits carbon dioxide, trucking and training trucks and trains oil all over the country. The pipeline was more efficient. If we're going to use these systems, it's more efficient. So let's just get that straight. They're not going to use the Keystone Pipeline, so now we have to pay money back to Canada. We're going to ship oil through trains and trucks that will emit an immense amount of carbon dioxide, if that's really the problem, if that's really the threat. And we're entering back here in the U.S. into the climate deal of which we're supposed to think, well, big companies don't like this when, in fact, big oil, Chevron, Exxon, uh, Mobil, Royal Dutch Shell, BP, they're all all in. All of them are all in because they know that it will benefit them financially. So all that's contrary. I mean, that's CNN. But all that's contrary to our popular belief, we're fighting the man, we're protecting the native Indian reservations, we're going to save them from the pipeline. But it's like, dude, the pipeline's already built, first of all. Second of all, the big companies, the big corporations that you hate so much that you loathe are benefiting from COP21. They're benefiting from these international UN agreements. You understand that, right? They're benefiting from that. Do you know who suffers? You suffer. Do you know who suffers? All the people in Texas suffer. When the federal government steps in and says, no, you cannot amplify your power. You have to buy power or you don't get lights because you're going to harm the environment. It's damaging to the environment to have carbon. But we'll drive trucks and have trains go all over the country delivering oil, and that'll be more efficient than having it all in a pipeline. Meanwhile, They'll tell you all about how they're saving money and saving the environment when they're actually dumping money and dumping the environment because it's all about big money. Now, I know that some people will not listen to what I'm saying and take a neutral stance on it. They will immediately think you're a conservative and that means you're wrong. I'm not a conservative and it doesn't mean that I'm wrong even if I was. And other people will say, You hate liberals. You hate the environment. Don't hate liberals. Don't hate the environment. I'm just looking at facts. CNN even told me Big Oil wants the Paris climate deal to go through. They want to maintain that. They they want to limit carbon dioxide. Why? Because they have investments in natural gas. And if they have investments in natural gas, then why is it that Bill Gates told the governor of Texas that it's your natural gas that failed? It's your oil that failed you can't have power plants it's 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 your it's anything that's a legacy system that's what failed it's not the windmills that were frozen solid not rotating all this is is a corporate takeover but a global corporate cartel taking over the sovereignty taking away the sovereignty of individual nation states and individual state nations like texas that's what it's all about I'm just giving it to you raw based on the information I have. So then one might wonder, well, that maybe that makes sense. Maybe that doesn't make sense. I'm not sure how you feel about it. But let's talk about carbon dioxide for a moment. You've been told for years carbon dioxide is this horrible thing. That carbon dioxide is dangerous and poisonous. I mean... If you have any idea what carbon dioxide is, you'd think, wait a minute, that's a, that's an out, absolutely outrageous, <laughs> egregious, and preposterous a little Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. It's outrageous, it's preposterous, it's egregious. It, it, it is an outrageous, it's an egregious, and it's a preposterous statement that carbon dioxide is dangerous. And I can prove it to you that carbon dioxide is not dangerous. If you're interested in and hearing why carbon dioxide is not dangerous. Number one, carbon dioxide is the oxygen of plants. And without carbon dioxide, the system that we live in, it, it completely collapses. So people that are like, oh, the ecosystem's under attack. Oh, the ecosystem's falling apart. We need to eliminate carbon dioxide. I mean, that's like saying, my car's almost out of gas we're, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get stranded uh, and someone says, Well, you might well you better get some gas. So there's a gas station right up there, and you say, No, we can't get gas. We've got to eliminate gas. That's why the car's out of gas, because we don't have we don't have gas. If we get gas, we'll be out of gas. We'll save the ecosystem by eliminating one of the most key critical components of what helps life to exist on this planet in the current the current environment. Let's just get rid of carbon dioxide. Oh, it's bad. Got to get a, get rid of carbon. Yet, let me read you something here that I think you might find interesting. Maybe you're into botany. Maybe you know a little bit about botany. Well, if you were to look at a plant and how a plant absorbs water and, you know, plants make oxygen for us, it's astounding. Plants release less water into the atmosphere, meaning that there's less chance of drought because plants retain more water When one thing happens, that one thing is when plants have more carbon dioxide. So when you say we're genetically engineering crops to prevent drought, it doesn't make much sense because if you want to, in scientific terms, if you want to prevent drought, plants need to be exposed to more carbon dioxide. It's eliminating carbon dioxide that will cause drought. I mean, you could eliminate any key component in this game of environmental Jenga, and the whole thing could potentially collapse. But what they found in, in, in uh, research about plants is that as carbon dioxide levels increase, plants retain more water. And that's because of the somata on the plants. They'll retain more water when there's more carbon dioxide. Now, maybe that is not an important You know, piece of information. Well, maybe you don't believe that that's possible. You never heard of a stomata. That's fine. You're not a botanist. I'm not either. Well, here's an idea. Maybe we should listen to the the experts like NASA. NASA told us on Halloween 2015, they published this, a study that showed an increase in Antarctic snow accumulation. And they showed that the massive gains in Antarctic ice in the sheets were greater than any incurred losses. Now this is something that I've been saying for years. I think it was maybe seven and a half years ago when I I was homeless for a temporary amount of time, living out of my car, and a friend of mine let me stay in their, in their, uh, their office slash studio. And I had gotten a newspaper one day. This was before I ever wrote anything. I, I wrote like a, a compilation of material for radio. So I had it, and I turned that into like a, like a book, uh, a, a long time ago. It's not for sale anymore. I do have PDFs of it somewhere, but I got a newspaper, and it sa- it showed in the newspaper the uh, the the Arctic ice sheet, and it showed between you know different periods of time how the ice is there, how the ice is not there. Now in the Arctic. It's summertime in the Arctic now, so the ice will be depleted. But because of basic facts, like it's the summer in the Arctic, so some of the ice is going to melt compared to the winter in the Arctic, we don't recognize that when we're told, hey, it's the winter time and ice is is very, very, very limited in the Arctic. This is strange. How can it be winter and there be less ice? There should be more. This means the climate is changing. No, moron, it's not winter in the Arctic. When it's winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's not winter there. It's the summer there. Because the planet does this crazy thing called wobble and rotate. But we're not allowed to learn about the planet. It's flat, remember? Remember? We're not allowed to learn about the planet in Earth science class because it's carbon dioxide. It's what humans exhale that's the problem. Got to get rid of carbon, got to get rid of humans. So if it's summer in the Arctic and the ice, well, that makes sense. The ice would be less, less dense. Now, what happens is there are cycles. So sometimes there's more ice even in the the summer and sometimes there's less ice in the winter and what happens is, if you have a satellite image in 1970, let's say, where the ice is really depleted, or 1980, the ice is really depleted, and you say, that's global warming. We have proof. Look at this ice compared to 19, you know, comparing 1980 to 1970. And then you say, this is proof that the ice is melting. The polar ice caps are melting. The whole planet's going to be drowned in water. And then you go into the early 2000s, and you find that the ice, in some places, has literally doubled in the last few decades after having melted. So every year you go through a cycle, but then every decade there's another cycle, and every half decade there's a cycle, and every two decades a cycle, and every century a cycle, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, the ice caps might have melted between this year and this year, but 10 years before that or 10 years after that, they were twice or three times the size of what they were. Does that make sense? NASA confirms that mass gains of Antarctic ice sheet greater than losses. That was in 2015. Maybe you're not so keen on NASA as a source. I understand they're never a straight answer. How about um, about a report from the U.S. Energy Information Administration where they just, in graphs, they break it down. They show recent trends in energy-related CO2 emissions that vary across regions and states, meaning that in the Midwest, the West, the South and the Northeast, carbon dioxide emissions vary. But see, if we break down the information like that, we break down the data like that, people just are a little confused. Like, wait, a minute, I thought carbon dioxide was raising everywhere. I thought the planet's temperature was going up. I thought, wait, a, it's like, no, a, a, it's different in different places. If I stick a carbon dioxide detector up the tailpipe of a taxi in New York City, uh, yeah, there's going to be more pollution than if I do it out here in Bloomfield, New York, where there's like, you know, five cars within a mile driving on the road. Maybe you see five cars at noon. It's perspective. There's not an overpopulation problem. There's an overcrowding problem. There's not a lack of resources. There's a lack of distribution and availability of those resources. There's artificial scarcity that's created. When you're told in the wintertime, oh, it's never been this cold. And then in the summer, it's never been this hot. No, it's always been that cold. It's always been that hot. Every year is a little different. The sun and the moon play a significant role in this. Let's go back to NASA. NASA also says good news on forests and carbon dioxide. A NASA study in 2014 shows that tropical forests may be absorbing far more carbon dioxide than many scientists thought. And just a few years ago, scientists conducted an experiment, a study, and they found that there were literally trillions more trees than they initially estimated, meaning basically that if you took the amount of trees, 4 point something trillion, you broke them up to, you know, to every single person on, on the planet. Everybody gets 422 trees, it's official estimates. Those 422 trees based on the carbon dioxide that they absorb because it's their oxygen and then they give us clean air. Do you know what those 422 trees do? They absorb half of our carbon emissions as an individual. I've done the math on it. It's pretty simple math and I, I suck at math and I've done the math on it. Half of our carbon footprint, none of that is put into the computer models. And that, my friends, is the real, honest, inconvenient truth. The inconvenient truth is that you've been lied to, information has been taken out of context, and information has been outright deleted, as is the case with the medieval warm period, which, according to the Telegraph, Newspaper back in 2003. This was 18 years ago. According to the newspaper, this is what happened. The Middle Ages were warmer than today, say scientists. And the IPCC, International Panel on Climate Change, simply removed that data. So that their models and statistics and charts and pie graphs and computer simulations would provide them the output in the constructed artificial future that the planet is going to be destroyed. None of it is true. It's all fake. The ice caps are getting bigger. Forests are absorbing more carbon dioxide. They're greener than ever. And it's been hotter in the past than it is now. And now they're telling us carbon dioxide is bad. It's spreading COVID-19. We've got to get rid of carbon dioxide. This is Anti-Human. We'll be right back on The Secret Teaching. Stay with us. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Somewhere between the normal and paranormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Right here on The Fringe FM.
3: All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info.
1: Hey Fringe listeners, Dave Cruz here, reminding you that Beyond the Strange airs live Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on The Fringe FM, BTS is your one-stop shop for the paranormal, the bizarre, and most of all, the strange. Join me and co-host Black Sky Paranormal's Russ Bailey as we discuss topics such as aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, and much more. Also, we talk with profound guests, authors, researchers from all over the world, and we take your calls live on the air. Go to beyondthestrange.com and learn more about the show, guests, times, Free registration for our newsletter, merch, and much more. Again, that's Beyond the Strange, Monday evenings, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. And as always, stay strange. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
2: Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing, The Secret Teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind. With a one-year subscription to the show, access to all of the montages, all of my digital books, and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the United States and autographed if you'd like. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support The Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com Yo, hi there. It's Gigi from Shift Happens. Just stopping by to tell you to stop it. Stop that. Stop that thing that you're doing. And redirect all of your attention right directly back here to The Fringe FM.
0: You're welcome. This is Jess Rogie, host of The Rogie Report, and you're listening to The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting.
2: You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the wheel of the year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
0: Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination, where happiness is an illusion, where
1: the past,
0: present, and future all co- coexist on the same timeline.
2: I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Scientists are now telling us that carbon dioxide can be utilized to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, to anyone who's able to critically think, and I mean that seriously, not in a sarcastic way, You read this article from Yahoo News, or wherever the source might be, referencing Alex Huffman, an associate professor of chemistry and biochemistry at the University of Denver. And the article says that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has warned that COVID-19 is spread via respiratory droplets, like when you cough or sneeze or when you breathe. The CDC's website even says these viruses may be able to infect people who are further than six feet away from the person who is infected or after that person has left the space. Alex Huffman from the University of Denver is among a group of experts currently studying how the CO2 we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much potentially infectious aerosol is in the room. CO2 monitors in turn can be utilized to assess the risk of transmission in a given environment. To anyone who can critically think, and again, I don't mean that sarcastically, if you can critically think and you read this article, what does this sound like? The CDC says these viruses may be able to infect people who are further than six feet away. May. That's not definitive, conclusive science. That is an assumption. The article says that CO2 that we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much potentially infectious aerosol is in the room. Because they haven't proven that there's any infectious agent in the aerosol that we cough, sneeze, or breathe outward from our body. And so these CO2 monitors can be utilized to assess the risk of transmission in a given environment. If this was sound science, what it would say is the CDC's website would say these viruses are able to infect people who are further than six feet away. It would say that CO2 we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much infectious aerosol is in the room. It would say that CO2 monitors in turn can be utilized to assess the transmission of the virus in a given environment. But since they can't prove any of this and the initial studies and some that have been conducted since then have only found the virus in aerosol when they create it artificially. Other times when they prove quote unquote prove that Sneezes can travel 26 feet. Sure, that's true. But is there any COVID-19 in the sneeze? And it's not in the sneeze. It's not in the cough. It's not in the breathing. It's not in the speaking. Which the Forbes publication we read before said that speaking English spreads the virus. So speaking English spreads the virus. White people who are straight. that's, That's the CDC. If you're a straight white guy you spread the virus more than anybody else. If you're straight, but you decide one day, eh, I think I'm going to be homosexual, suddenly you don't spread the virus anymore. That's literally, you could read that on the CDC's website. Just type in CDC, white people, less likely to wash hands, and it's just young, white, straight men. Here's what Huffman had to say from the University of Denver. When you breathe out, you breathe CO2. Yeah, that's true. As well as aerosols that come out of your mouth. That's also true. I, I get to watch mine as I'm talking into this mic. Hoffman, uh, Huffman says, we can't measure the respiratory infectious aerosols in the room very easily. No, you can't measure them at all. If you could, it would be a slam dunk. It would be a layup to just show us and prove it to us. And then there, there would be no more conspiracy theories. There would be no more second guessing the science. It would just be like, oh, here, we isolated it. There, there, There it is. But they can't do it. What Huffman says they can do, and that kind of funny huff, like huff and puff, <gasps> we can measure CO2 really easily and relatively cheaply. So we use this as a proxy. If CO2 is building up, infectious aerosol risk is also building up. Hmm, That's interesting. If we use CO2 as a proxy, what it can do is if, we can determine that if it builds up, infectious aerosol doesn't build up, but infectious aerosol risk builds up. So listen listen to the stretch they're making here. We can't find the virus in the air. We can only create an artificial environment sometimes where we can prove that it spreads more than six feet, or even six feet for that matter. These viruses only may be able to spread. We can't isolate them in these aerosol droplets. This is what the studies say. This isn't what I'm saying that CO2 could be monitored to detect any potentially infectious aerosol in the room. Although they can't identify it, they're assuming that CO2 is what's spreading it. CO2 detectors could be used to determine this. And they can be used to assess the risk in an environment. Now, you mark my words, good, clean, and clear. You circle them, underline them, highlight them. And this isn't a lot of a, a lot of speculation on my part. This is part of the article that I've been reading here. What's going to happen is that they want to place these CO2 monitors in establishments like restaurants and schools and little grocery stores. So, what happens when they put a CO2 monitor in in a in a restaurant that you like to go to? Not only are they not going to be at um They're not going to be at liberty because the state has taken away their liberty to emit a a certain number of people into the restaurant because, oh, you're not able to six feet distance if you're in this restaurant. We we only have a capacity of like 50% now. What they're going to do is have carbon dioxide detectors, so if carbon dioxide levels go over a certain percentage, you can't come in the restaurant because carbon dioxide is dangerous. This is what the article says. This is what people like Huffman from the University of Denver are saying. We can use carbon dioxide detectors to determine how much CO2 is in the room, and we we can do this, these machines exist, so that we can determine not only how much CO2 is in the room, but how many people should be in the room, and whether or not they could be infected. But they don't even say whether or not they could be infected, they just say if they... Run the risk of infection. Well, anything's a risk. You run the risk of dying every time you get in your car, every time you eat a cheeseburger or you smoke a cigarette. You're always running the risk of something, whether you're crashing your car, passing out, whether you, you, you choke on that bite. There's always a risk. There's a risk to everything. The, the, the idea that COVID-19 presents a new risk is not true. That's just that's a fallacious, erroneous statement. It's It's inaccurate. It's unsubstantiated. And it's disingenuous. It's outrageous, it's egregious, it's preposterous. It's ludicrous. It's insane. Let me make sure you fully understand this. Carbon dioxide is the oxygen of plants. Without it, we die. We do not survive without carbon dioxide. Now, if you have too much of any gas and the environment becomes unstable, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. It's the delicacy of the system that we have that allows life to exist and thrive under the conditions that it exists. So, carbon dioxide, they say, is spread through the air. Although the CDC retracted those statements and said that any information, any guidelines on airborne transmission of COVID-19, that was all an error. I referenced that article earlier from the Washington Post. The FDA has also said that it doesn't spread through food or surfaces. So, unless this is like some 12-dimensional space, you know, some 5-dimensional chess game, I'm trying to figure out if it doesn't spread through aerosol, and it doesn't spread through surfaces, what else is there to, it's just, there's, there's surface and there's air. Where else is this spreading? Is it spreading through eyesight? What other senses are spreading? Is it spreading through ESP? Well, actually, it kind of does spread through ESP, because... People that are really sick are the people that are really worried. People that are really sick are the people that are triple masking and can't breathe because they're inhaling too much carbon dioxide. So, yes, carbon dioxide, if you inhale it, can be very dangerous, especially in those amounts that continue to increase in violation of OSHA's work safety guidelines. This is just basic, basic science. So they tell us that it spreads through the air, and then they say, no, it doesn't. We can't find any evidence. It's an error. It doesn't spread on surfaces either, but we assume that it spreads in the air. So since we assume it, we're going to, since we can't actually find the virus in the air, they admit it in the article. We can't find the virus in the air, but we're assuming it's there. So if there's carbon dioxide levels that are over a certain number, we're going to start using that to, to create guidelines so there can't be this many people at you know at an event this many people at a grocery store. So literally, you will then be segregated and quarantined based on carbon dioxide levels. Curiously, one might ask, does this have anything to do with the World Bank wanting a $4 trillion carbon tax years ago or places out in the Pacific Northwest here in the United States wanting to tax bicyclers for breathing and exhaling more? Does this have anything to do with Bill Gates saying that we need to, you know, we need we have carbon dioxide and we have humans and we got to get one of these numbers down to zero. Yeah, if you're a space alien, if if you're like a bacteria that thrives off of radiation, like the doomsday bacteria discovered in the 90s, then yeah, you might want to get rid of carbon dioxide and oxygen. Because you don't you don't ingest it. You don't breathe it. It doesn't help you live. It hurts you. It's our environment that killed the aliens in War of the Worlds, wasn't it? They couldn't survive in our, in our environment. Same thing with Independence Day. They had to have these bio suits. But carbon dioxide is not dangerous or poisonous. Carbon dioxide is essential to life. Why is that so hard to understand? Well, Ryan, you just said carbon dioxide can be dangerous. Yeah, if you put on three masks, moron, it is dangerous. If you go put your nose into a tailpipe and turn the car on, it's dangerous. All the fumes that come out of it. Methane's dangerous. Carbon monoxide. People try to kill themselves, and they succeed in killing themselves with it. Yeah, you can kill yourself with carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, you can kill yourself with all kinds of things. But here's the thing they don't tell you. NASA has documented two very important key points. One, the ice caps... Generally speaking the ice caps in the Antarctic uh, ice sheet are getting bigger and they're greater than the losses of the ice because because when the news tells you it's the winter time here and you know they read their script better get out those shovels because old man winter's coming to drop a bunch of snow on you and we just don't understand why the ice caps are smaller because You live in the northern climate, so of course it's the summertime there. They're going to be smaller. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? If you're stuck, if you've ever driven on I-4 in Tampa, Orlando, Central Florida, uh, we used to call it highway hell, where it's like 85, 90 degrees, 190% humidity, and the traffic's backed up for hours and you nobody can ever figure out why the traffic's backed up there's like there's never a wreck you know there, i mean there are wrecks but it's like it's rarely a wreck it's not like people getting off at exits it's just it's just slow 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 and then it just suddenly opens up you know it's just a traffic jam but when you're in that environment and it's really hot and the weather news comes on and they're like global warming today you think, well damn, yeah, the global warming its look how it's freaking hot in here. I got the AC blasting I'm still hot. global warming's definitely true. But NASA says the ice caps are getting bigger. NASA says the forests are getting greener, and as the forests get greener because plants use carbon dioxide as their oxygen, they produce more oxygen and they purify the environment. There are now estimated to be over 4 trillion trees on planet Earth, meaning that based on those estimates alone, which have not been entered into climate models, every human on Earth is afforded about 400 and something trees, and each tree absorbs a certain amount of carbon dioxide. And each human emits a certain amount of carbon dioxide. In, in the West, it's, it's nothing compared to places like India or China. China uses like two, three times the amount of energy that we use as individuals in the United States. But it absorbs about half on average of how much carbon dioxide we as humans emit, meaning that it basically not only balances out the carbon dioxide emissions, but it destroys the, the predicted, uh, predicted uh, models of the future for the climate. How can nobody acknowledge that, hey, uh, we didn't enter into the equation that there are more trees than we thought, so these levels of carbon dioxide are not they are not as high as we thought they were. And even so, there are planetary cycles, and you do know that because of climate change and people like Bill Gates with his $500,000 shares in Monsanto Bay or in these other big companies where they're engineering plants to be drought-resistant and then They sell the seeds and they own the farmers and they charge them all this money and they have to buy chemicals and sign contracts and they can't keep their seeds and they commit suicide. You know, those genetically modified crops that killed thousands or millions of Indian farmers and have been responsible for devastating land and devastating agricultural systems. But then they are continued to be offered as the solution to the problem they're creating. You know, those genetically modified crops. Well, guess what? Those genetically modified crops actually take more water to produce. It sucks more clean water. And you know what else it does? it actually prevents plants, and, and, and doubly so if we're considering carbon dioxide levels that are being eliminated, it prevents plants from retaining water. So what does that mean? We have to use more water to grow these plants because it's supposed to prevent drought, but we have to use more water to grow them, while simultaneously, if carbon dioxide levels are reduced, plants wouldn't be able, the, the, the stomata they have, that allows them to interact with their environment, they would not be able to retain the water, meaning with less carbon dioxide, more genetically modified crops, you'd lose more water, have more drought, and then you would have to, because you, you you have to use it, you'd lose that water. You'd use more water, therefore lose more water, and you'd have more drought. This is scientifically, like, not may or could be or possibly, this is, like, well-known, very basic, simple science. Plants retain more water when they have more carbon dioxide, you get rid of carbon dioxide, they have less water, there's more chance of drought, so you create genetically modified crops to prevent the drought, but those GM crops need more water to grow, and they need chemicals to grow, none of which is sustainable. So take your hippy-dippy, woo-hoo, bourgeois, environmental cult somewhere else, because with people like myself and like you who can think for ourselves, it doesn't have any merit. It's not scientifically sound, scientifically proven. It's nothing but a scientific cult where people follow the cult leader to their death, which is don't have kids, rebellion, extinction rebellion, birth strikers, no more kids, no more family, no more environment, kill yourself for the environment. I mean, there was a guy that set himself on fire in a park in New York because he wanted to save the planet. I'll just get rid of myself, and then the planet will be saved. And he lights himself on fire. A couple years ago that happened. Ice caps getting bigger, forests getting greener, plants retain more water, less chance of drought, carbon dioxide is uh, good for the environment. Well, Ryan, if the whole environment was carbon dioxide, we'd all die. Yeah, we would, moron. If it was all methane, we'd all die. But it goes a little bit beyond that, doesn't it? Because what about these alternative systems of of energy? What about wind? Well, that didn't work out very well for the Texans, did it? Because all the wind turbines froze. And when Governor Abbott said this is the reason that we didn't have power because, one, the wind turbines failed, and then though the governor, who I don't particularly like, didn't say this out loud, uh, I read earlier on the show tonight the Department of Energy order that told Texas they cannot produce more power. They have to buy power from outside the state, and that if they produce more power, it's in violation of federal air quality laws. That is the Green New Deal. That is Agenda 21. That is the United Nations. And using weather and using environmental controls to take control of land, why And how do you think Bill Gates became the biggest owner of farmland? Why do you think Bill Gates has all these investments in genetically modified foods that he can grow on the land he owns? Why do you think he's telling you to eat synthetic meat? It's not only a Machiavellian authoritarian psychopathic complex of the dark triad of personality traits. It's because he has investments in fake meat that he makes with the genetically modified crops that he owns on the land that he owns. He also owns a lot of patents on weather control and is one of the biggest promoted proponents of weather modification to prevent the, the climate from changing w- while he goes about changing the climate. While there are others that go about changing the climate to make it rain, to make it snow. Hell, the Chinese back in December of 2020 just expanded their weather control operations to one and a half times the size of India. That's pretty big. Last time I checked. But Texas, you can't have your own power there in Texas. You can't put out that power. That's going to harm the environment. And so Bill Gates comes in as if he's, you know, the president and tells the governor, "No, you it's not because of the windmills. It's not because of the windmills, Governor Abbott. It's because of your legacy systems, your gas and your oil," which I find very strange because big oil wants to be involved in climate deals. They want to be involved in eliminating carbon dioxide. Why? Because they're capitalists and the money and, and and the cost of natural gas is a little bit easier, a little less dangerous than, than, than oil, As, or so it seems on the surface. This is just what I'm reading. And according to an article in 2017 from CNN, Big Oil wanted to stay in the Paris climate deal because these traditional oil companies have a vested interest in, in, uh, in the deal because of the, it favors natural gas which was, you know, blamed for the issue in Texas. It wasn't natural gas, it w- it was the alternative energy. It was the federal government saying you can't activate your power systems, you can't amplify your power systems, you can't store more energy. That's going to hurt the environment. It, it's not we need more windmills, more solar power. They're talking about that in the news over the weekend. More solar power in Texas. Well, I, there are, you know, arguments we can have as per what's better and what's what's not and w- what we could use to, you know, Produce something more efficiently. That's great, but what's being used now to talk about that is is a green new deal. It's the elimination of of private land ownership, the giant conglomerate corporate entities that are gobbling up all the land and, and taking control of everything. That's what's responsible for what's happening in Texas or what happened in Texas. They're going to suffer the ramifications of that for for weeks and possibly months. But it's it's all because it it could affect the affect the environment that we. You can't activate your power systems and you're going to have to have rolling blackouts and it's all about control. And then the little bit of power you do use, they can charge you exponentially for it. So why is it that all these things hurt the environment? Carbon dioxide, they say, hurts the environment. It's so bad, carbon dioxide. We need to have carbon dioxide detectors. We need to have carbon taxes. We need to stop carbon from hurting people. We need to stop carbon from spreading COVID-19. Yeah, that's an article. I read that at the beginning of the segment. COVID-19 spread through carbon dioxide, so we need to eliminate carbon dioxide. If you eliminate carbon dioxide, the plants will die, humans will die, the planet will cease to exist. The life support systems and the ecosystem will totally and absolutely completely collapse. So all the bourgeois, hippie, woohoo, hoo particularly left-leaning Environmental cultists who say they care about the ecosystem and they care about all the animals and they care about the plants, you might want to do your homework because if you have more carbon dioxide, plants retain more water, less chance of drought, cleaner environment for you to live and to breathe in. Trees, plants, you know, all the greens, they become greener, according to NASA. All of the time when the ice sheets are actually getting larger, it's the context that matters, and looking at satellite images, ten-year periods compared to ten-year periods, you look at the context of it. You see, oh well, that was taken in the summer. That was taken in the winter. You realize, oh, that was taken twenty years ago. This was taken last week. It's actually bigger than it was then. This this is what's really happening, but but what they're doing is they're huffing and they're puffing, and they're blowing the human race down. And telling you that everything that is human, breathing, social contact, sex, holding hands, everything, it's dangerous and poisonous. That's not an environmentalist. That's a space alien. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You could listen to this.
1: And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but...
2: (laughs)
0: That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly,
2: it supports you. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, right here on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. As we move from the month of Janus into the month of Imbolc, traditionally a time of ritual cleansing the secret teachings is offering a special deal to help you clear the cobwebs out of your mind with a one-year subscription to the show access to all of the montages all of my digital books and a free copy of one of my books in physical form with free shipping in the united states and autographed if you'd like Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. Your support keeps us on air and helps to support The Fringe FM as a network. It also hopefully helps you to expand your consciousness and perceptions of the world through The Secret Teachings. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today by donating $40 through PayPal. That's thesecretteachings.info and rdgable at yahoo.com.
3: They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats, go, we did all the good stuff. (laughs) It's like you're all working for the same guy.
2: You're listening to The Fringe FM, where the Wheel of the Year turns from Yule to Letha, Ostara to Maybon. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting.
3: If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings.
2: Howdy, this is Jill Mars and you're listening to the secret teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. I was reading this article from Gizmodo. Scientists found unexpected life half a mile under an Antarctic ice shelf. You know, the ice that's all melted there. They found life again, and this is a constant, constant story that we see over and over and over again life being found in places where we never thought life could exist. The article from Gizmodo says that the biologists, using a GoPro attached to a borer, were shocked when they found that although the conditions under the second largest Antarctic ice sheet weren't exactly hospitable to life, temperatures stay well below freezing constantly dark, they were able to find a form of life there. They found were uh, animals uh, that were filter feeders that eat by straining suspended matter and food particles from water. They were little sponges. One of the researchers said, we expected to find mobile animals like fish or crustaceans that can travel around to find the small amounts of food available. The animals in the video are attached to the rock So they cannot move. This means that they must wait for food to come to them. Sponges were living 162 miles away from the open ocean where the food must have been coming from. They couldn't have possibly traveled to find food from any other sources because they were attached to this boulder with small, fleshy stems. They find life pretty much anywhere and everywhere. You find the the hydrothermal vents where you've got tube worms and, and ghost shrimp. There's a pretty incredible story a couple of years ago back in 2018, a scientist was on a hike in the Canadian woods, took a sample of soil and found an organism that sets on a new quote major branch in quote of the evolutionary tree of life. What they found were two species of these microscopic creatures called hematmastigotes up in Nova Scotia by Dalhousie University graduate student Yana Iglet. You can find the uh, images of that online. If you look up this article, Scientist on Hike discovers organisms so unusual it sets on new major breach, branch rather of Tree of Life. They have the electron microscopy images of the new species of human mastigote. Of course, back in 2020, just last year, there was an expose on something that was found in the 1990s. Of course, back in 2020, last year, there was a story About bacteria that can exist in a vacuum and not only exist but live and thrive in a vacuum. The Smithsonian magazine reported that the International Space Station in 2015 was home to an experiment where a box was mounted with exposed microbes on a handrail hundreds of miles above the Earth. These extremophiles. Uh, The information was published in the Frontiers in Microbiology. These extremophiles, these bacteria, can survive at least three years in space, potentially longer, but the study only lasted three years. These extremophiles can survive in an environment of toxicity and death to humans. Back in 1995, and this is really interesting if you kind of connect the dots here, back in 1995... These same bacteria that were used in this experiment in 2015, the article from 2020 from the Smithsonian, back in 1995, these bacteria were discovered. They're called Deenococcus radiodurans, which is basically a nondescriptive bacterium, which was isolated in 1956 from a spoiled tin of meat The New Scientist published in 1995 that this was a doomsday bacteria that can survive several thousand times the dose of radiation that would kill humans. The article from the New Scientist says, if exposed to between 10 and 15 kilorays of radiation over several hours, each copy sustains around 120 breaks that cut through both strands of its DNA. Other bacteria die if their chromosomes suffer just two or three such breaks. But D. radiodurans can repair its shattered chromosomes. They can sustain 120 breaks compared to the two or three that the average bacteria could withstand before they died. We find life everywhere, whether it's in Antarctica, Lake Vostok. you have heard those stories about Lake Vostok. I would assume that's probably why there are a lot of world leaders that have gone down to Antarctica. I don't think it's because of Cory Good's blue chicken robot rooster hens I think it's because there are forms of life down there. Oh, they're alien, all right. They're just not blue chickens that kind of defy our definition of what life is. But ultimately, life is everything. Life exists all around us. Life not only exists, but life, it, it thrives. Life will always find a way. Under any condition, extreme pressure, extreme temperatures, darkness. I mean, most of you know about squid and octopus. They can edit their own brain genes. The New Scientist's same publication in 2017 showed that more than 60% of RNA transcripts in the squid brain are recoded by editing. In other animals ranging from fruit flies to humans, such recoding events only occur a fraction of 1% of the time. For squid and octopus, 60% of the time, they can change their RNA. They can change their genetics in their brain. In December of 2020, octopus and squid, it was determined, had an even stranger form of evolution than scientists had initially imagined. And this is an updated version of the 2017 story, and it says octopus, along with some squid and cuttlefish species, routinely edit their RNA to adapt to their environment. This is very, 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 very advanced. A lot of you also know about You know, our good friend the crow. I love crows. I love birds. And how the crow is capable of what scientists have determined to be conscious thought. Uh, Capable of conscious thought because they have an ability to have subjective experiences. Or uh, primary sensory consciousness, which had only been previously demonstrated in primates. Crows are incredibly, incredibly conscious. They remember faces. They have funerals for dead birds. They remember who you are and what you've done for them, and they'll sometimes bring you little gifts or presents. They have, according to scientists, their own language that they've that humans have identified. And uh, crows, they use tools over and over again. They'll keep the same tool. They don't just throw a hammer out after they buy it. They'll make a tool. They'll keep it in their own little toolbox. If they drop it on the ground, they'll go down and get that tool. And, and, and this is what scientists call cumulative cultural evolution. Separate crow populations develop their own modifications that persist and improve over generations. This is something kind of like the, the, the subjective experiences of crows that have only been demonstrated in primates that humans also of course, have. And we compare ourselves to you know a, a primate, sure, but what about a crow? Crows are highly intelligent. What about an octopus or a squid? I mean, in evolutionary terms, and, and I don't mean the Darwinian kind, I, I just mean in the terms of how things evolve and change over time, but not necessarily towards a specific, you know, more advanced form of, of, of humanoid or advanced form of life. Octopus and squid and even some cuttlefish are more biologically and genetically advanced than humans are. That might keep you up at night if you think about it. Scientists go and they do research in the Arctic and they find new life all the time. Different forms of life. Researchers go for hikes. In Nova Scotia, they find hemomastigotes. They'll find, you know, in a, in a can of, of spam, they'll find bacteria that can survive radiation thousands of times beyond what a human could survive, what a human could be exposed to without dying. Life finds a way to exist, and to thrive. Over the weekend, I was watching this movie called Io. I mentioned at the beginning of the show about uh, these humans that go to Jupiter's moon Io because the Earth has mostly turned toxic. And the the story um, is of this girl. Her dad was a scientist, and this girl who's on Earth, she stays behind on Earth, to find a a way that humans can survive in this environment. And she finds kind of like her dad had theorized the planet isn't necessarily dying. It's just giving way to new life. And that new life exists in an environment that, and, and lives in an environment that's toxic to humans. You think of that, you might realize that all this talk about carbon dioxide, it gets really, really spooky Really, really fast. And people will make uh, comments about carbon dioxide and climate change. and it, it doesn't matter if the forests are getting greener. It doesn't matter if there's way more trees than scientists originally thought. That's not factored into the climate models. It doesn't matter if the ice caps are getting larger, mostly because they take pictures in the summer and in the winter, and they're obviously different. And over larger periods of time, decades or centuries, you know, things get larger, they get smaller. It doesn't matter if the IPCC simply eliminated the medieval warm period, 800 to 1300 AD, where it was hotter then than it is now. And they say, we have no evidence that it's ever been this hot. Yes, because you deleted it, asshole. So they huff and they puff and they try to eliminate carbon. Because carbon dioxide apparently is a threat. But, but a threat to what? I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but it doesn't sound like it's human, if you want to put it that way. And so now COVID-19, among everything from shutting down small businesses to eliminating cash and having a digital currency, a social credit score, social distancing, no shaking hands, no sexual relation, no kissing, no procreation, that's harming the environment too. All the things that the UN All the things that big think tanks, all the things that the World Bank and the IMF, they want carbon taxes, all the things that these monstrous banks, these corporate conglomerate, you know, international uh, lumbering monstrosities, these enormous uh, cartels, banks, corporations, gangs, billionaire elitists, the things they wanted to do for decades suddenly are all justified because of COVID-19. And they're saying now that carbon dioxide can be used to determine if the environment is toxic. I really want you to just put down your phone or your, your cup of tea or your soda or your beer or your cigarette and, and really listen to what I'm saying. They're telling you, they're telling me, they're telling everybody, This is this is mainstream news. According to Alex Huffman from the University of Denver and others... Carbon dioxide monitors are going to be used to prevent the spread of COVID-19. How can it prevent the spread of COVID-19 because although they are unable to prove that COVID-19 is in aerosol and they admit that in the article they assume that it's in the carbon dioxide is in the or the the the, the COVID-19 is in the aerosol emissions when we exhale and carbon dioxide comes out which is the oxygen of plants, they assume it's there. And so because there's carbon dioxide, that must mean there's potential for virus. But they can't prove it to you. So the CDC says viruses may be able to infect people who are further than six feet away. They don't know, so they say may. They've produced all these studies, and all they can do is may. All they can do is may be. May. All they can do is possibly. All they can do is suggest. All they can do is implicate. They can't prove it to you. They can't definitively state something. They can't conclusively demonstrate something. But they can lie to you, and they can mislead you, and they can present fraudulent, out-of-context evidence to you, which is nothing more than a lie. The article about CO2 Monitor says that Alex Huffman from the University of Denver is among a group of experts currently studying how CO2 we breathe out can act as a proxy to gauge how much potentially infectious aerosol is in the room. Potentially infectious. I thought that it absolutely spread through aerosol. Don't you know, listen to the CDC when they tell you it was an error when they told people that. That's on their website. It's an error. Washington Post. CDC says guidelines about airborne transmission were an error. It doesn't spread through the air. The FDA says it doesn't spread on surfaces. It doesn't spread on food. So where does it spread? That's official, CDC and FDA. And then you get people like this, these experts that are saying, well, it's potentially infectious aerosol, so just wear a mask in case, social distance in case, and we'll use CO2 monitors to determine how much CO2 is in the air so we can shut down an event. We can kick people out or prevent people from coming into a restaurant or a grocery store by using these monitors. There's too much carbon dioxide, get out. CO2 monitors can be utilized to assess the risk of transmission in a given environment, but it's just the risk of transmission because they can't prove that it absolutely transmits. I don't care what you think about disease theory, but if Louis Pasteur was right and modern medical authorities were right, they'd be able to conclusively say that aerosols were infectious. They'd be able to conclusively and absolutely definitively say that there is airborne transmission. That there is surface transmission, but what they've told you is it was an error to say it spreads through the air. We don't have any evidence it spreads through surfaces. So, does it spread through eyesight? Where does it spread? Does it spread through sound? Where does it spread? They use words like may, potential, risk, but they don't actually give you any definitive conclusive evidence. Alex Huffman from the University of Denver says, when you breathe out, you breathe CO2 out, as well as aerosols that come out of your mouth. Uh, That's true. That's a factual statement. However, we can't measure the respiratory infectious aerosols in the room very easily. No, you can't measure them at all. We can measure CO2 really easily and relatively cheaply, so we use this as a proxy. If CO2 is building up, infectious aerosol risk is also building up, end quote. In other words, when they install these CO2 monitors, restaurants, bars, grocery stores, Other establishments, schools, they can create segregated areas based on how much carbon dioxide you emit. Do you realize how evil this is? And and evil is the reverse of L-I-V-E, live. Evil is also, when you say the word evil, you can also spell it backwards in a different way, E-V-O-L. What is E-V-O-L? Backwards. Love. Love and live. When you invert life and you invert love, when you destroy life and you hate, that is the definition of evil. These people are evil. They obviously hate organic life. They want everything connected to a digital sub-reality hive mind, a virtual 6G computer simulation, and they want to eliminate carbon dioxide. Now you tell me if that sounds like reality or the premise for a science fiction film. Well, I don't really care what you think it sounds like. That's what's happening. This is pure evil. No carbon dioxide. It's dangerous. It doesn't matter if plants are greener, if they retain more water. It doesn't mean, you know, it uh, doesn't matter if there's more and more and more and more oxygen to breathe. It doesn't matter if there are more trees than anybody thought. It doesn't matter if all the climate models are wrong. It doesn't matter if all the COVID models are wrong. No, you will social distance. You will wear three masks and you will inhale carbon dioxide and you will pass out and you will potentially die and suffer from brain damage if you do live. You will not shake hands. You will not hold hands. You will not kiss. You will not have sex. You will not procreate. You will eliminate the orgasm. You will do what Dr. Fauci says. You will do what Bill Gates says. You will do what people call the New World Order says. You will do what Klaus Schwab says. You will do what the World Economic Forum says. You will do what the United Nations says. You will do what the devil, remove a D, E-V-I-L, the inversion of live and love, evil, evil, evil. You will do what evil says, what evil says. There is no life. There is no love. There is only death and destruction, darkness and cold. It's pretty scary, isn't it? But see, here's the beautiful thing. Here's the thing that's not so scary. If you don't want that to be reality, watch Monsters Incorporated, where they learn that laughter is ten times more powerful than screams learn to laugh and learn to love and learn to connect with the things that are naturally in the environment. People say forest bathing, and there's a level there where you go beyond the woo-hoo and the woo-woo and the bourgeoisness and the environmental cults. You find a balance in between. It overrides all this stuff. and Realize that people that are telling you carbon dioxide is bad, these are not good people. These are evil, evil, evil Anti-human eugenicists. They might not even be human. Because they sound like, if I I came to Earth and was like, okay, oxygen's bad, carbon dioxide's bad, we need more radiation. You'd say, what planet did you come from? These people are like the bacteria that they found in that can of spam. They literally thrive on radiation. You get that, right? Cell phone towers, Wi-Fi, satellites. They thrive on radiation. They thrive on geoengineering, climate change, global warming that is man-made with artificial uh, 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 cloud seeding, aerosol spraying, sun dimming chemicals. They're literally creating a microwave on Earth. They thrive on radiation. They are the doomsday bacteria. They are space aliens, at least in symbolic form. the The, the analogy is, I mean, they they are basically operating like a bacteria from space. They are operating like. Venom, like black goo. They are operating like an anti-human alien force. It is something that we cannot fight against by just simply saying, love and light, I don't want to talk about it. Now, that's part of the counterintelligence operation that these scumbags run. Love and light, don't talk about it. It's the counterintelligence nonsense of the drugs and the sex and the, all, the, all the, the free love, man, and all the music of the 1960s flower power. It's Operation Trust. It's Trust the Scam. It's all psychological warfare. Carbon dioxide is the oxygen of plants. It's necessary for life on planet Earth. These are not human beings in one way or another. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to huff, they're trying to puff, and they're trying to blow down the human race. They're trying to eliminate carbon. This information is vital. It is critical. Please spread and share the show. www.thesecretteachings.info I'm Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for listening. rdgable at yahoo.com Subscribe to the show archive on the website. It's all new, redone. The montage archive, the show archive, download, stream every show. Go to the website for more information. www.thesecretteachings.info When you subscribe through PayPal or when you just do a single donation. If you have any questions, email me. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast.